You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. Well, um, thank you guys for choosing this class. It's uh, definitely me and Linda would be like, go somewhere else, but I'm just kidding. This is for God and just really checking our own hearts because um, this is a topic really as disciples you don't want to look at because discouragement is something that we don't ever want to take a look at ourselves and be like, man, it's bad. Something's wrong is going on or something's challenging us to look somewhere else. And the thing about this, for at least for me and I know for Linda, it's really allowed us to take a look at where we're at today and where we've come from. And so today we're just going to share in a little bit of a different sense is we're just going to share how God's overcome discouragement in our lives. Uh, neither one of us are counselors, guidance people, any of that smart stuff. Um, I'm just a disciple uh, sharing out of God's scriptures and just sharing what it really just means for us, how God worked in our lives to overcome discouragement. So the general dictionary definition of discouragement is to be deprived of courage, hope, confidence, or being disheartened. So when you think about it, that's really deep just in itself right there. And when you start to think about just being discouraged or just the act of it, just, it just totally darkens your whole world. You don't look at anything that in the light. You think of everything that's in the dark. And then you all of a sudden start looking at just these negative comments in your heart. And uh, for me, it was something that I just really started had to take a look at myself. And, uh, you know, you're out there searching and just trying to build things together. And this, I found this quote um, that I want to share out with you. It's by William Ward. It says, Discouragement is the dissatisfaction with the past, distaste for the present, distrust of the future. It is ingratible for the blessings of yesterday, indifference to the opportunities of today, the insecurity regarding strength for tomorrow. It is unawareness of the presence of the beauty that surrounds you, unconcerned for the needs of our fellow man and unbelief in the promises of the old. It is impatience with time, immaturity of thought, and impoliteness to God. And just when you look at both of these, just discouragement just means so much. And um, at this time, it's something that it, uh, me and Linda really worked a lot on. Um, and Linda's just um, been amazing. Her heart to work with me together on this has just been awesome. And uh, she's going to have a time to share, and then I'm going to come back up. Um, but I really want to just go to God real quick. And uh, just pray for both of us and uh, just to be able to share our hearts with you guys. So if we go to our Father. Dear God, just thank you so much for this opportunity just to be able to share uh, what you've put on our hearts. Uh, This topic is just one that's so deep and it's just very heartfelt. God, I really pray that you uh, just allow me and Linda to speak your words. Um, God, I really feel that I'm kneeling at the throne to you right now because this is totally not where I want to be sometimes, God. Just Satan already trying to be uh, discouraging. God, I just pray that you continue just to come into this room, that you give both Linda and I the courage just to share uh, just our hearts uh, with these in this room, God. Uh, I just thank you so much for the, again for the opportunity, and in your son's name we pray. So at this time, I want to invite Linda up to share.
Thank you, Jason. Hello, everyone. Thank you for um, coming to listen to this class. I know that God um, has something specific for everyone in here, and um, I really pray that my life can be used to help you through your lives as well. Um, So some of the facts about discouragement. Um, Discouragement is universal. Everyone feels discouragement at some point in time. Um, It's reoccurring. It's contagious. Um, It's unpredictable, but it's also temporary. So some of these facts are kind of encouraging because they give you hope that no matter how discouraged you may be, like it doesn't last forever. And um, you should be careful when um, you are discouraged not to pass it on to other people and know that you're not alone when you're going through discouragement. Um, So I'm going to share some of the most discouraging things that have occurred to me in my life. Um, What really gets me discouraged the most is death because it's final. Um, I know that for me, death is like hopelessness. Like there's no coming back from that. There's no making up for it. And so I'm just going to share three, two deaths and one near-death experience that really discouraged me. Um, So the first death that I ever experienced, I was 13 years old, um, and it was the death of my grandmother. Um, She was like a, she wasn't my real grandmother, but my mom, being a single parent, would always leave me with um, daycare providers. So she took care of me from like the age of eight to the age of 13. And um, I remember her house, it was all, it always smelled like food. She taught me how to cook. Um, She always had huge Thanksgiving dinners and Christmas dinners and It was really where I learned a sense of family uh, structure. She took me to church and taught me what it meant to be devoted. We would go Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Uh, We would get bored and tired of it, but, you know, it ingrained in me what it meant to be faithful. Um, So when she passed, it really stole from me a sense of family, a sense of structure, and um, the beginning foundation of my relationship with God. Um, The next death I experienced was when I was 18. Um, I knew a boy from the age of 12 to the age of 18. He was my best friend. Um, I believed I was going to grow up and marry him. Um, I was a little brat, and he was a jerk. We would always argue and then, like, not talk to each other and then talk to each other. And um, for me, you know, being the, the only child of a single parent, He was like my big brother at times. There were times he was like my best friend. Um, My mom would work a lot, often work nights. So he would stay on the phone with me because I was afraid of the dark and all these other things. Um, So for for me being at that time, being a teenager in in my developmental years, he was my everything. Like he was um, my comfort, my source of um, love. And so when I found out he died at age 18, he was actually murdered. He was shot. And I remember feeling like I was never going to get married. Like that was the person I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And now they're gone. Um, And I made the decision that I I didn't really believe in love anymore. And now learning that God is love, it was like me making a decision that I, I didn't believe in God anymore. And then the some good things happened. Some good things came about. Um, I did learn more about God. I, I was connected with people who showed me what it meant to be devoted and faithful to God again. 
and I became a Christian. Um, but the discouragements didn't end there. Um, about two two years into being a Christian, my mom, um, she got ill, and it just happened like randomly. One minute she was just um, like she had a reaction and she was inflamed. Um, and then we went to the hospital, and they said that her um, her platelets were low. I didn't even know what platelets were. And they said that um, if they get too low, she could pass out and die. And so they kept her in the hospital, and they did, um, I think it's called a, 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 it's, I don't know, it's like a blood transfusion, but it's not because they don't do anything with your blood. They just take out your blood and change your platelets and put your blood back in. So I remember um, at this time in my life, I was very involved in the ministry. I was actually interning in the campus ministry, um, and I was visiting the hospital um, every day to see my mom. And I saw them, they cut her throat, and they, they put the tube in, and I saw them, you know, take out her blood and, you know, put it back in. And I just remember at the time I felt nothing. I remember that I was like, I can't, I can't process this right now because I'm going to cry. And if I start crying, my mom's going to feel hopeless, and then she might not have the energy she needs to recover. So I just, you know, I just didn't really think about it. I, I remember reading scripture with my mom because my mom hadn't made the decision to be a Christian. Um, so I just remember, you know, reading about Hezekiah, um, and there was a scripture I don't even remember, but it said that he had he was dying and he prayed for more time, so God gave him like 15 more years, and that was really what I was holding on to. I had learned that death is unavoidable, that it happens to everyone, um, so I knew that one day, you know, my mom was going to pass, but I was just praying for more time. Um, what really got discouraging was I didn't know how to ask for help or to tell people that I needed them. And so when people didn't come to the hospital, it, it made me feel discouraged. Like, I felt like here I am, you know, serving and doing what I think God wants for other people. But now that I need people, there's no one here for me. Um, the guy I liked started dating. My best friend was getting married. Um, and I just felt alone. And so um, the good news was that my mom didn't pass. I was very grateful to God for that. I know that it was the prayers of the disciples and my prayers and probably God um, just knowing that I, I need my mom because I'm alone. Like there was no aunties or uncles or my dad wasn't there. He didn't fly in to come see us. Um, but after she lived, there was still this lingering discouragement that it, it, it can happen anytime. Just because she's okay now doesn't mean that she's always going to be okay and what are you going to do when she's gone? Like, who's going to really be there for you? Um, so all these thoughts flooded my mind. Eventually, um, she was good for like a few, like a like maybe a year or two, and I decided that I wanted to move to a different ministry to pursue the arts and to do what I love to do and pursue my dreams. So I did. I moved to a different ministry, I'm Turning Point in the Valley. Um, but I learned that God had. Like, sometimes we do things not knowing what God's plan is. And I literally felt like that scripture after Jesus gets baptized where it says that the Spirit led him into the desert to be tested. I felt like I was literally led into the desert to be tested. Um, but while I was there, I underwent grief recovery. Um, and I underwent a, a specific class called Graphing God, which 
basically you go through every single person in your life and you graph what they taught you about God because that's how we form our, our, our view of God. And sometimes that view can be tainted and that view of God can be what actually leads us to discouragement. So in that time, I graphed God. Um, I followed James 5:16, where it talks about confessing your sins to one another and praying for each other that you might be healed. Um, and I got open, like I learned that, you know, with my with my grandmother, what I lost was a sense of family. But I also learned that God had resurrected my sense of family by putting me in the church and surrounding me with, you know, so many people that love God and love me and are available to talk to if I just reach out. Um, with my with the loss of Alex, I learned that I, you know, ultimately what I felt I had was had lost was a relationship, a marriage, an idea of a future. Um, what really discouraged me was that he never told me that he loved me. Like we, we never had that kind of conversation. And so I felt very incomplete. Um, but I learned that Jesus had told me that he loved me, that he loved me with an everlasting love. And then he wrote it in blood for all to know. Um, when my mom almost died, um, I learned that I, um, it stole from me a sense of security. Like, even though she was alive, like, all I could think was, one day she's going to die. One day she's going to die. What are you going to do? Um, but God comforted me in saying, um, you know, I am with you always to the end of age. Um, and he had been with me through every death. Um, when I was a brat, you know, everything. He was there, and he promised that he would be there after, um, you know, in the instance of my mom's death. And so through that, I learned that the way you, you overcome discouragement is pretty much what it says in John eight thirty one through 32. Um, it says, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I learned in the desert that you have to hold on to God's teachings. Though you might not agree with it, though you might not even believe it, you have to just hold on long enough, and then you will see the truth. And that truth will free you from discouragement and from and from death. I learned that um, our faith is what overcomes discouragement. In First John 5, 4 through 5, it says, um, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This made sense to me because my biggest discouragement dealt with death. And the only person, um, apart from a few others that he resurrected, that overcame death was Jesus. And so through Jesus, I saw that Alex may have died, but I don't have to die for eternity because of Jesus, because he overcame that. And even though death is sad because it's so final, with Jesus, it's not final. Like, there is hope. And then the final scripture that comforts me is Hebrews eleven thirty-seven through 39. I think I got to a point where um, I had seen my friends that, you know, were walking the walk with me, you know, loving God with me, praying and going to church with me, start to leave. 
And this was another form of discouragement because this nullified everything that I had been taught about God and everything I had been taught about the Bible. It made me second guess um, the scriptures and the church. And this was more discouraging than anything because if you don't have faith, if you don't have eternal life, if you don't have God, then what do you really have? And so the scripture that helps me overcome that discouragement is Hebrews 11, 37 through 39. It talks about the hall of faith, and it talks about all the people in the Bible that had to walk and live by faith, Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, David. Um, But at the end, it says that those people, they did not receive what was promised. I'm trying to find the scripture. Um, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. And when I read this, it taught me that living by faith is important, but it's more important that you die with faith because it's that kind of faith that will get you what God has promised. And so with that, I want to close by letting you guys hear a song that comforted me in the times of death that I experienced. I really imagine God saying these words to me. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. 
Wow, that song just, the first time Linda shared that with me, it just, it really hit my heart because it just really talks about how God's always going to be by your side, how he's always going to lift you up from your knees. And uh, if you guys have a Bible or an iPhone, I preferred my Bible today. Um, we're going to read out of Nehemiah chapter 4. And this story is um, where it's talking about rebuilding the wall, rebuilding to the opposition of the wall. And just so much of it happened. We're going to start in, um, in, uh, in verse 4. Uh, it says, Hear us, O God, for we despise... Uh, for we despise, turn the insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder to this land captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. For they gave thrown insults in the face of the builders. So as the wall, <clears throat> so we rebuilt the wall uh, all the way until it reached half height. For the people worked with all of their heart. But when Sandoval, Tobiah, and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the people of the Ashad heard the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that there were gaps uh, would be closing. They were very angry. They all plotted together and came and fought against Jerusalem to stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted guards by day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judea said, The strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild this wall. Also, our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put their work to an end. And like right then and there, like one of my biggest discouragements is what these guys, what they're going through. Um, actually, two of the biggest discouragements was one that they were just tired they were they were losing heart that they could actually finish that they were just so mentally and physically drained that they couldn't go on they were at a point to where they were just falling apart and they they, they didn't know what to do they had so many people just attacking them coming at them and what's so powerful in 13 is it says therefore i stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places posting them by families with their sword, their spear, and their bows. And that just speaks so powerfully to me because it's like God has everyone right there for us. That all they had to do was just pray and to ask for help and that God provided that help for them. And that was that, that overcoming of the part that just took so much discouragement from them. And for me, fatigue is something that I run myself to the ground over and over and over again. But I forget the reason why I'm getting tired is because I'm not asking God for help. I keep going, okay, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to get that done. But I keep forgetting to go to God who's giving me that ultimate energy. I forget to go that, hey, bro, I need your help. Can we just pray right now? And it just is so powerful because it's right here in, in Nehemiah that, that they, they basically just went back to God. They prayed for help. They asked God to provide them the strength that they needed. And then all of a sudden God goes, you have that strength. You have those people right there next to you. And, and it was by families that they worked together. And the thing about the church for me, it just speaks so powerfully, but it's those families that are already here. 
And those, like I can already just think of just Miles, who's helped me walk through so many of just discouraging times, just being like just washed out, tired, willing to go, okay, if I get somebody else to take this sound equipment home, I can go. It's been that level of discouragement to me that if I go, if I can just plan this way that I get all of my responsibilities taken away, that next step for me is gone. And that's Satan attacking me. That's Satan attacking my heart saying that what you're doing means nothing to anybody here. What you're doing serving him means nothing. And what that really creates, definitely for me, is it creates a step away from my family. Because that just creates all of a sudden an area that I go, I just feel disconnected. I feel that at no matter what I do, no matter who I am, that there's always this gap. And it's me creating this gap. You know, it's so much of like when we look at Bible studies and we talk about our sin. And we talk about just that wall. And I'm hiding behind that wall. And I'm going, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. But it's my wall of service that's actually discouraging me. Because I keep going at 110%, 115%. But I'm not giving that percentage to God. I'm giving that to my acts, to my works. And it's, it's just knocking me out. And God really had to humble me out to the extent of being put into the hospital for five days. Um, I woke up on a Monday morning with this just a massive amount of pain in my body. I had no clue where it came from. The week before, I just felt like I had the flu. And all of a sudden, I was like, you know, as a grown man, you got two choices. Call 911 or call mom. <laughs> I picked the wrong ladder because then I had to be in pain for another 15 minutes. But my mom came running. Um, and it was something as soon as she saw me, she knew that there was nothing she could do except get help. And in that situation, it wasn't until I was in the hospital just laying on the bed after having emergency surgery for my gallbladder, which you can live without, thank God. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't until that point that I all of a sudden saw that God had another plan in my life, that he had people from around the church that I didn't even, somehow they found out that I was in the hospital from Facebook or whatever. My brother posted something. And they came and visited me. And they showed me that even through everything, that the biggest thing that causes encouragement is just the way we spend time with one and each other. That, and it, and it, what hit me is, is because so much of the world says, react, don't be proactive. Because what, what does everything happen? Something happens, oh, hey, I'm going to go get a loan for this because I need more money for my car. Or, hey, you know, something's going on. Okay, let me just figure out how to do this. And they react to the situation. And the thing is, is we've all been disciples. We've all been here long enough. We've lost friends. We've lost families that, that have left the church. We've, we've lost those things. And those are just so discouraging. But those, those now give me hope because I notice the family that I have here. I notice how God has just uplifted me to remind me that it's like the encouragement comes from him. And then he uses you guys. He uses us to pass that encouragement on to each other. And it's, it's that powerful moment that I noticed that in those discouraging times, God's got such a different plan for us than I ever imagined. And this was one of the hardest lessons that God had me just to even want to talk about. When I was first asked, I'm like, nope, not doing it. 
I don't want to go look at the dark. I don't want to go look at where I've been. But what it all of a sudden had me notice is I went through four and a half years of to where I am today of being a disciple. And it allowed me to see all the steps that God had to put me through to make me ready to even do this today. It reminded me that every time I look at a bad situation, it's not really a bad situation. It's a lesson he wanted to teach me. And that's one of the things that really hit me because as soon as I changed my perspective and I changed what I was actually focusing on instead of the negative of it and changed it to being like God had a lesson for me to learn, that all of a sudden what I thought was all bad was actually good. And it was something that God had in mind way before I even knew that I was going to stumble, that I was going to fall, that I was going to fail. And that's one of my other biggest causes of discouragement is just that failing i'm a very as you guys know when lyrics are wrong or something's wrong on the screen or you see me running around because something doesn't sound right i just i i just think it's myself that's failing i just be very self-defeating i can't think anything goes right um but so much of it is going right that again it's my perspective it's what i'm forgetting is, is that God has a plan for our lives. And I don't know if it's going to take me another day to trip and fall, or I don't know if it's going to take me to just completely remember that God's got so much of a design and so much of a plan for me that I just need to get back down on my knees. I need to just let go of everything that's in front of me and go, okay, God, where's my blindfold? Because even though it could be discouraging, no matter what's going on, he's got something that's so much better. And this lesson really reminded me so much is just something that we have to focus on. What's ahead of us is heaven. That no matter what, even in my failures, I know I need those mistakes, like the scripture says, so I can grow. Because without being willing to stumble, we'll never reach out to the next thing. We'll never take that next step. We'll be like, my boss said I only need to do this. But... What happens when you take that next step and it goes great and you go, you know what? I gave that glory to God. I gave that, that next Bible study. You know, I decided to stay up an extra hour. I decided to make something just so much better. And there's a few scriptures that just really reminded me. And the first one is in Hebrews three. Um, Oh, one too many. This is my favorite one, kind of with discouragement. Um, it says, trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understandings. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. And I think for discouragement, it's something that starts to go one way and then we think we got it and then it comes another way. We think we got it. And then all of a sudden we're like, man, I'm back where I started again. Well, I think God, for me in my life, really had to show me that no matter how this world defines a straight line, God's got something that kind of looks like something crazy. Because we had to have this image of a straight line for us to be able to understand what God's actually view for our life is. And it's something that it's like, I think God takes us on this path where it's you know straight to that wall, and then it's over to that wall. 
But it's still straight because we're following him. We're following Jesus who's perfect in our lives. And the thing is, is I know on that path, I'm going to stumble. I'm going to fall. I'm going to trip. But the thing that I've had to continually to fight over is to remember to write down some of those history points. You know, I just remember in the scriptures just where they, they went to the river and uh, they just they just said, okay, hey, the 12 tribe leaders, go, everybody go back and grab a rock. Let's go grab a rock. And I was like, what's going on? Like, why, why, why do we have this in the, in, in the scriptures? And it reminded me because we had to, they had to remember where they'd been. And they had to remember what God brought them through. Because what's going to happen is when we leave here tonight, God's going to have us go through something else. Someone like myself, yesterday I was at work getting ready to go meet with Linda, and all of a sudden it's like, I got a flat tire. I'm not going anywhere. Um, and then I get the phone call. It's going to be two and a half hours. I can walk further, you know, and it's just, I had to, you know, and then all of a sudden I was like, wait, I got two and a half hours. I'm sitting here getting paid. Amen. You know, and then the next thing I was like, wait, I got my backpack. I got my Bible. <laughs> More study time. Like I had to change that negative thing that Satan wanted me to be frustrated that I couldn't make my appointment at five o'clock and we had to push it later. But God had it for such a different reason. Because he's like, hey, I'm giving you some more time in your word. Hey, I'm giving you some more time to look at this lesson and really see what God has put on your heart. And I think the next biggest one for discouragement is just, it's, it's really a focus change. It's really something that we all know this scripture, or if you don't, you'll become uh, really self-aware to it. It's a, click it once. Yeah. Um, it's in First Peter 5, 7. It's something to me that it's, I have to remember every day when I wake up. Um, it's it's something that hits me more than I ever could imagine because I am such a planner at heart that as soon as a rock happens, my first thing is by trade and by what I do is how can I fix it? How can I make it better? How can I make sure that I don't feel discouraged? And for me... Casting all your anxiety on him, God, because he cares for you, is such an easy thing to forget because the first thing, no matter what, I'm like, okay, this happened, got to do this, this happened. Okay, okay, wait, oh, that's right, pray, read, pray, okay. You know, but my first thing is it's not pray and read. My first thing is like, okay, who's been through this before? How can I ask for help? And... I forget that God's already been through everything or knows already everything that happened, that he's already there. He's just got his hand up like, when you're ready to call on me, I'm right here. I'm, I'm ready to listen. And it, it's just so easy to look at the moment. And I know for me to just be so discouraged and so knocked out that I just need to remember casting um, our, our anxieties on him. And it's just... Something to me that as I got some help on this lesson and I just reached out to those who are a lot smarter than I am. Um, Donna Marks said something to me today that um, it was so powerful and it was just such an amazing statement when I looked back on even how I prepared for this lesson. Uh, it, and it really talks about when you're looking at failures. It says when we look at ourselves, we use a magnifying glass. But when we look at others, we look through a telescope. 
And it hit me because it's we're so easy and ingrained to pick up that magnifying glass and look at every little thing that happened from something going wrong at our job, not getting a promotion. For me, it was not passing a test. Um, I thought I knew how to speak English, but I guess I didn't. Um, and I was like, all of a sudden, I looked at it, and I was like, when was the last time I took an English test? I'm like, I haven't been in college for 10 years. And I had to take a standardized English test. Uh, one of the things that I um, just really in my heart to do was to become a law enforcement officer. Um, it's just something that God put on my heart to really continue just to help people in just such a different way that uh, just really challenged my own heart to be like, could I really step in the line and protect someone the way God protected me? And as I went on that path to kind of look at what it take, I was like, oh, okay, I just got to take a test. And then I was like, ah, that's nothing. But I didn't do everything that God said that we needed to do, you know, prepare, be ready, study, and do all these things. But it's the same thing with being discouraged. Like, are we ready for when that time happens? When that failure in our life happens, are we ready with those around us to all of a sudden go, hey, I need help? Because that's that's really the hardest thing that I had to learn is, just like as Linda was sharing earlier, that we have to be ready to ask for help. Because when Satan does his best, and we all know it, the first thing we want to do is isolate ourselves. Because we want no one to know that we tripped or we falled or we failed. We want no one to know what happened. But really, the best thing we do is we need that someone to know. We need someone there to be able to remind us when we're in our darkest moments and we're just so discouraged and out and want to be completely disconnected that God is the one that's going to bring that. But sometimes we need someone to tap our shoulders because I know when I'm at that moment, I don't want to do anything. And then all of a sudden, for me, I go, okay, I'm stepping back. And then all of a sudden, I feel, man, where did everybody go? And it wasn't where everybody went. It's where I went. And for me, that's something that I just have to remember that the only way we're going to make it through is focus on God. The only way we're going to take that next step is bring it back to the foot of the cross. Um, I can't tell you as a story when I just felt so discouraged that as that communion tray passed by, I'm like, I'm good. I'll get it next week. But I wasn't willing to take that because... I didn't know how to go to the person next to me and go, I'm struggling so much, I don't even feel deserving of the cross. I don't feel that I deserve what Christ did for me. But that's one of Satan's tricks. Because that every Sunday for me, like all of a sudden reminds me that what he did for me was so I can stumble. It was so I can fall and pick myself up and that I can learn to be joyful for everything that he did for me. And it's, it's something that it's so powerful and it's so moving because when we look at this and it just says cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And he's going to take it for you over and over and over and over. And he's going to always be there for you. Um, I don't have the poem, but it's just so funny. It's uh, the footprints in the sand. It just came to my mind. Uh, and it's, it's totally God because... That poem just so describes so much how I felt through my walk. And it, it just it, it talks about how he he's walking along the sand and he sees the two footsteps, which is God kind of right next to him. And they're walking 
and then rough times hit. The seas come up. The, everything starts roaring, and, and all of a sudden he starts getting scared, and just everything's going on, and all of a sudden he, he's starting to look back, and he's only seeing one pair of footprints in the sand. And he's like, what's going on? Like, all this craziness. And and then the storm passes and the time goes through. And then now all of a sudden he sees, you know, two pairs of footprints on the sand. And he pauses and stops during that good time. And he goes to reflect. And he, in the poem talks, he turns and he asks, like, where'd you go? And the part that's so powerful at the end of that poem is he goes, I was always there with you. But during that time, I was carrying you. And that's what hit me so much about this lesson is is because I had to look not through the magnifying glass at myself and not look at how I failed, how I felt, you know, falled. And that God was carrying me through this. And discouragement is such an easy thing to knock you out because it's the first thing that happens. It's the first thing that shuts your mind off. It's the first thing that happens in all of our lives. You know, if I were to ask if, if someone had a discouraging moment today, everybody could probably raise their hand because something happened. Something, some bump happened in your life today. You know, and for most people, that's a common occurrence. But the thing that I know that I had to learn and that I hope that you guys can learn um, is just that even through those bumps that God's going to take us to the next step. And um, I want to close with uh, Psalm 27. that time thing. We're going to start right in the front. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid of? When evil men advanced against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besieges me, my heart will not fear. Through war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord." all of my days to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me upon a high rock. And that's where I want you guys to really take a look on is that God's going to take care of you. He's already brought you here tonight. He's already put something in your heart that he's going to take he's going to protect you he's going to take care of you he's going to love you as dark as it may seem and i just want you guys to know that if you're feeling discouraged you have people in your life that want to help you that want to lift you up that want to encourage you and you have people too in the church that are just even professionally trained because sometimes there's a level of discouragement that we have to take the next step and we have to ask for that 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 professional help and it's something that I want to challenge you guys all. As Linda shared too, um, the church offers uh, grief recovery, which is something that is so powerful. Um, it's it's done by the church, uh, actually a group 
that's connected with the church. Um, but sometimes we just have to take those next steps to help look at where we've been to where God can continue to take us further. So I just thank you guys so much for coming and enjoying. You've just listened to the Elevate podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.